Welcome to Markets Now. I'm Michelle Work with Randy Martinson, Martinson Ag. On the last trading day of 2023, we ended with just about everything lower. And Randy, it really felt like this week we saw a lot of end of the year type positioning and money flow influencing trade. It did. I mean, it, it was pretty quiet. You know, our trading ranges were tight and it just didn't seem like we were getting anywhere fast. And, you know, you look at it, you can understand that, you know, you're watching wheat trade a little bit higher. And I think that was a lot of short covering that hit that market. Corn and beans just kind of waffled back and forth. And, you know, soybeans more so on the lower side because of improving weather forecasts uh, for Brazil. But yeah, it just seemed like this market was starving for some information to help give it some direction. Yeah, and of course, we have been kind of sideways in the grain markets for a little while. Um, but if we do comparisons from last year to this year, let's talk a little bit about that. I've got corn down 30%, soybeans down 14%. And that should be of no surprise to anybody as we had this commodity reset from 2022 to 23. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, and we had, you know, better production than expected. We had lower exports. So all that came into play to kind of push the market lower. You know, the drop in corn at 30%, that's the largest uh, yearly percentage drop in, I think, 10 years. So, I mean, that's pretty significant when you look at the corn market. But when you get a 2 billion bushel ending stocks estimate, corn really doesn't need to do a lot. Right. So right now, what we're seeing, the setup is way different than last year for both corn and beans in terms of we've got carry in the market. We did not have that last year, did we? We didn't. You know, and of course, then, you know, as you have more stocks available and then stocks increasing, you get a carry in the market, which gives you an incentive to store and look at marketing, you know, further down the road. And right now, you know, that's what producers should be looking at is taking advantage of that carry, especially in the corn market. Uh, soybeans, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, we probably are going to look at one in the market soybeans in the next uh, month to six weeks before Brazil starts dumping theirs on the market. But for corn, you know, look out to that mid, uh, uh, July timeframe and look at grabbing that carry. Right. Same true for soybeans, you say, though? Well, soybeans, you know, there's enough of a carry, well, but I don't know if I'd want to push the the soybeans that far out because once Brazil gets a hold of the market and exporting, Depending on how big their crop's going to be, they, you know, we might see that. It might take a little longer to get that market to come back after uh, they start seeing exports slip over towards them. Yeah. So corn and soybeans, basically, to get these markets to move out of these sideways ranges that we've been in, we're going to need some either supply or demand shock to the market, right? What would those be? Well, you know, that's a good question. You know, right now we're depending on the, the renewable energy or the, the uh, you know, renewable diesel, the, the sustainable aviation fuel to help kind of carry that the soybean market and the, the vegetable oil market in general. And right now it's been a little slow in going. Uh, you know, bean oil had a pretty rough year this year, actually dropping, but yet we're not exporting anything. We're using all most of our, our soybean oil for uh, making the renewable diesel. So I think that's the next big thing that we have to watch for as far as soybeans are concerned. For corn, we need to get some exports or we need to in, either increase feed demand. And right now it doesn't look like we're increasing our livestock sector. Yeah. And when we talk about exports, really the big gorilla is China, isn't it? It is China, you know, and looking at it, they're down big from last year as far as what their purchases are for both soybeans and for corn. It doesn't look like we're going to see much of an impact as far as the corn is concerned. And a lot of that will depend on what happens with the safrina corn crop after the first of the year. Will the producers in Brazil harvest the soybeans and will they follow up with the second corn crop? Or will they, because of late planting, forego planting corn? That would help uh, bring some demand to the U.S. 
So that's the demand shock. The supply shock would have to probably come from South America. And is it likely that after the first of the year, that is going to start getting even more attention? I think it will. I mean, because you know, they're starting to harvest the soybeans right now in Brazil. So we're going to start to hear more news of it. We're going to start to hear, you know, lower yields. Uh, I, I do think it will come by the time we get to the middle of January, we'll start to see a lot different news coming for corn than what we're seeing now. Okay. And uh, let's also talk about the wheat market. Okay. KC wheat for the year down 27%, Chicago down 20%, Minneapolis down 22%. And of course, let's talk about some of the factors that have kind of pushed us that direction here. Well, you know, the big one, of course, is the huge production out of Russia and the fact that they're just commanding the export market. You know, that certainly is is causing some of the trouble. The other was a better than expected crop for the winter wheat uh, and spring wheat. I mean, nobody expected that we were even going to see a spring wheat harvest or much of a, a production because of the hot, dry conditions we had in June and early July. But crop came in a lot better than expected. So we had a lot more supply than we were looking at. And again, we're not competitive in the world market on the exports, and that really hurt our exports this year. Plus, funds have been short this market most of the year, and we have also seen, you know, you talk about the lack of demand, um, that the demand picture has really been part of it because of Russia too, hasn't it? Oh, most definitely. Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine's actually, even though they're down from last year, they they continue to move grain through their system. And that certainly is causing a little bit of uh, pressure into the market. Our stronger dollar earlier in the year didn't help us, but now we're starting to get to become a little more competitive. So hopefully once we get to the first of the year, we can continue to see the dollar uh, drift a little bit or, or weaken, and that might help bring some demand back to the U.S. Yeah. And of course, the Black Sea news, we kind of got numb to that, didn't we, from a geopolitical standpoint? Yeah, we kind of did. I mean, we continue to see escalation in the war, but yet the market doesn't do anything with it. We get little blips, but nothing of anything major. You know, we're even starting to hear of uh, Russia now talking about slowing down exports a little bit because of the trouble they're seeing in the uh, Red Sea and also in the Suez Canal. So it everybody's starting to see a little bit of issues with moving wheat at this point. Yeah. And when we look at some of the big picture items that probably impacted grains, maybe the entire commodity sector, we mentioned transportation. That was one of them uh, with the drought, Mississippi River, water levels low, you name it, Panama Canal. The other one was what was going on with the interest rate climate, the impact that was having on money flow into the and out of the commodities, right? It was, you know, and of course, yeah, interest rates increasing and that slowed down a little bit of movement. You know, our dollar was, you know, seeing some strength that caused a little bit of trouble. You know, now we're starting to come out of that and hopefully that'll help bring in some extra, a little bit, improve our demand picture. But then we're also now seeing the stock market rally, which is, I think, pulling some money out of the commodities and bringing it back into the stock market. Right. Okay, look at livestock here. Live cattle up 7% for the year, feeder cattle up 20%. Do you think we're going to go back, even though we've had a big correction here now, are we going to retest highs again in 2024? You know, I think we have an opportunity to, but I would expect that we'll see a, a test of the lows that we hit, or at least see this market sell off and test the, the fortitude of the uh, longs that have been coming back into the market. But I think once we see that cattle inventory report at the end of uh, January, 
I would expect that's going to continue to show very tight supplies and uh, shrinking herd. And I think that will help push the market back up again. I don't know if we can go back to the highs, but I think we should make a good test of them. Yeah. And hogs, we were down 22% for the year. A lot of that just had to do with too many hogs, right? No, that's exactly it. And, you know, that was confirmed in the again in the hogs and pigs report where we're looking at just about every one of the weight categories up one to two percent more than expected. And, you know, not so much on the, the kept for breeding number was a little bit lower, but the number of pigs and the farrowings was where we saw the bigger numbers. All right. And we're not going to get out of those numbers for a while here. So probably anticipate a little pressure in the hogs for a while overall in the meat sector demand side of the equation, Randy. What are you seeing economically and how may it impact um, consumers and their ability to buy meat in 2024? Well, I mean, that was part of what turned the market is that we just got too high, especially on the beef side. And that added to the pressure that came into the market. I think if we can kind of hold prices down, not quite see them go back up that high with the improving economy, with the unemployment numbers down and with the stock market rallying and the idea that we could see interest rates decreased in the March report, that seems to be the, the consensus. I think we could still, we could start to see the demand, U.S. demand pick up a little bit. Yeah. And you mentioned the stock market hitting new highs. You know, what do you see as we go into 2024 in terms of interest rate climate? Fed paused here, but will we see declining interest rates? What does that mean for the, you know, the commodity sector? What does it mean for the stock market? Because we are at these all-time highs. Well, right now, you know, like I said, the, the idea is that the Fed is going to lower the interest rates in the March report or the March meeting. I wouldn't expect them to do that. I actually look for the Fed to leave interest rates unchanged all the way through, at least through the June timeframe, the first six months, just to make sure we get down the that 2% inflation rate that they're looking for. And then we could start to maybe see things uh, tighten up with on the interest rate side. But I think that could be a little negative to the market as most are anticipating rate uh, uh, decreases coming sooner. Yeah, we'll be keeping an eye as well on what goes on with crude oil and how that impacts inflation. That's a big part of that, too, isn't it? Oh, that's a huge part. And that the fact that crude oil dropping has really helped. Absolutely. All right. Good to talk to you here. Have a happy new year, Randy. And thanks for joining us here. Randy Martinson, Martinson Ag, that is Markets Now.